from the pages of the DRaysBay.com blog. Welcome to The Hit Show. Hello and welcome back to The Hit Show. My name is Danny Russell. I am joined as usual by Darby Robinson. Hello, Darby. Hello, Danny. How's it going? I, I, am, I am pumped to be back. Uh, my wife and I just took a five-year anniversary trip. Uh, so I actually miss a good amount of baseball, and I'm really interested in hearing your thoughts because the Rays are back under 500 when they were above 500, then back under 500, and then above and then below, and then maybe above and below again. Uh, to level set, as we usually do, the Rays are 16 and 18. Their current uh, win streak, they've won 4 of 10, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. That is, uh, that's probably about what I remember too. <laughs> it's been, I think it's, so. been a, it's been a rough time. So yeah, I think four and 10 seems about, about right. <laughs> right. They are still above the Blue Jays, which is the good news in all of this. The Blue Jays are at 12 and 20. Um, the Rays are at almost 500. But the bad news is that the Yankees and the Orioles both have 21 wins while the Red Sox have 17 and the race have 16. So the division is starting to slip away. The race are seven games back. They're five and 10 on the road, uh, but they're still been pretty dominant at home. They're 11 and eight at home. So, and they are, uh, they have won for the last 10 looking at the numbers now. So uh, it wasn't a great week, uh, particularly when the Rays have uh, had some trouble beating the Royals who are um, worse than expected. The Royals yeah. are the only team that have fewer wins than the Blue Jays, and uh, it's it's been a rough going. Yeah, it hasn't been. Um, well, the Royal, Royals definitely are coming in. I you you probably think that uh, maybe the Giants fans might have the most uh, Giants, Blue Jays, and Royals all can kind of commiserate in terms of uh, miserable starts from teams that probably shouldn't have had miserable starts. Um, but that's kind of how baseball goes. Uh, and yeah, the week you missed, uh, I think you probably chose correctly with uh, Perry over, uh, <laughs> over. Oh, yes, I, I was in Paris, but I, I wasn't going to flaunt that. It was a great time, though. We were there for the election, which uh, was unintended. This is not a politics podcast, but uh, I was a little worried about being there during a presidential election. But uh, the city of Paris was very happy with the result. So uh, after Macron gave his victory speech in front of the Louvre, uh, all the people came streaming through the streets, waving their flags, people honking their horns. Um, my wife and I just kind of picked a terrace to sit down and watch the people go by. It was fun. I think uh, that's a, it's a good way to, to see a country. During it's a good a, way uh, to avoid of- uh, losing baseball against the Blue Jays and Royals, who are the two worst teams <laughs> in baseball. Ah uh, yes, yeah. It definitely this. So so the Rays are they played a lot of games. So they they're they have a lot more. Uh, they have a lot of good wins, but they also have a lot of losses. And so while the Royals and the Blue Jays are both kind of right in the bottom, uh, Blue Jays were the first team to lose twenty. Um, the Royals also have twenty losses. And uh, but thanks to some losses against those aforementioned Royals and Blue Jays, the Rays are now two games away from joining them in the twenty loss column. So. That's the bad. Um, but yeah, the Rays, you know, they're almost 500, and that's sort of how they played. It's been like up and down and up and down, and uh, no real uh, consistency. So the last time we had our podcast, it was, uh, what, about a week ago? Um, 
and the Rays won a very close game against Miami, and then they lost. Uh, and but luckily that was the only uh, loss in the Citrus series. They won that, and then decided to follow that up with uh, losing two out of three against the Blue Jays and dropping the first uh, in a series against the Royals. So, uh, yeah. Not the most fun uh, start to this uh, week of baseball, I would say. And uh, after last week, we talked a lot about how the bullpen was very surprising and impressive, and uh, especially Austin Pruitt, who uh, who you you ate some crow on, and then he proceeded uh, the very next day to give up seven hits and five earned runs in just one inning, and uh, set a very impressively bad negative point six four. Uh, WPA win, wins added. So that that is a, um, I guess fate has decided that uh, no, Danny, you were, you should not suffer too much crow eating for uh, ragging on Austin Pruitt and man, aggression hit him hard <laughs> in, a, in a in a one game, just packed all their aggression in. Well, uh, obviously the front office agreed too because we no longer have Austin Pruitt on the team. He got optioned uh, back to Durham, and what. I mean, could be considered the normal uh, merry-go-round of, you know, uh, the bullpen circulating through guys. But Pruitt, so he pitched uh, on April 19th, April 22nd, April 25th, April 28th. There was this cadence of him showing up every three days. And then there was a big gap, and he pitched on May 3rd. And then there was another gap, and he was given two innings on May 8th. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which didn't go that well, but uh, yeah, that that was the bad news bears. And yeah, not not no, so no, much no, 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 no. Sorry, that was a return. That was that was against the Royals uh, yesterday. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, it was yeah. against Miami where he uh, wet the bed, and then he got two innings again against the Royals, and then the Rays demoted him. So it was yes. really a uh, uh, thanks for your service. Uh, we are optioning you now. Get out of here. Yeah, I, I don't think it's necessarily. I, I wouldn't take this as a sign that um, that Pruitt, uh, you know, his last two appearances, he, you know, gave up some runs and didn't pitch um, super well. Though his uh, last appearance um, against the Royals, while he did give up three runs, there was just some terrible defensive play. I mean, Derek Norris was just throwing the ball all around uh, to not other Tampa Bay Rays and. Uh, so yeah, he he kind of had some bad luck there. Three earned runs, or three runs, but only one of them was earned. Um, but I don't think this demotion really is a sign that Austin Pruitt is not really uh, has a future with the team. I think it's more, well, it, it, a number of things potentially starting the Durham kind of uh, shuttle, kind of getting some more guys in. He has pitched a, a, quite a few innings, um, but also potentially trying to see what we have in some of our uh, other pitchers. There's a lot of pitchers on the 40-man and just off the 40-man that will probably have to uh, be added soon enough uh, to at least see what we have in some of the talent down in Durham and below. And um, f- while we while Pruitt leaves, we do add uh, somebody that uh, Danny mentioned as somebody that we'll probably see very soon just in last week's podcast. Yeah, Diego Moreno's here, and uh, he, he might be the last man in the bullpen. He might be a long man. I'm not exactly sure what they're going to use him as. Um, I'm not really sure what we have in him either. He has 17 appearances and he's thrown 16 innings down in Durham, but he's also struck out 17 guys in that time. 
uh, actually, I should double check his uh, number of appearances count. But the point stands, he can strike him out. And he was one of the three guys that Kevin Cash identified in spring training as we will see these guys this season. Uh, that was Austin Pruitt, Jamie Schultz, who we've talked about before, um, who had a groin strain and is still working back from that, and Diego Moreno. And I would imagine there's a lot of people who might be upset that we're not seeing Ryan Stanick, who is the 100-mile-per-hour guy. Um, but I really think that he is not going to be one of the guys riding the bus on that Durham shuttle. He is going to be the kind of reliever that when you promote him, he's here to stay. And I think the Rays want to be really confident in when he gets promoted that it's not going to be a situation where he's going to get a few appearances, get roughed up, need to be sent back down. Uh, that's not going to be his role. That's not going to be his future with the team. Uh, he is going to be a lights-out kind of guy, but he needs to be ready and the Rays need to be comfortable. So instead, we get Diego Moreno, which is just fine. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, if, quick cursory glance at his numbers uh, – Right now in Durham, he he pitched very well, very earned uh, his call up for sure. Sixteen point, uh, sixteen in the third innings, um, very nice. Uh, two earned uh, runs. K and walk rate, yeah, only two earned runs. Um, so yeah, this is a this is a guy who who absolutely has earned his uh, earned his chance, and so it's it's exciting to see what he can do. Uh, and the pen has been kind of a, again a mix as we sort of expected. Um, Pruitt last couple times gave up some stuff and then unfortunately Jumbo, our, our man Jumbo also had a, had a game where he didn't do all that well, uh, giving up a home run to Kendris Morales, which will happen. Mm. He hits home runs. Um, but on the other side, uh, Chase Whitley is still dealing. Absolutely amazing. He finally gave up a run and it was thanks to that aforementioned Jumbo, uh, Diaz appearance. Um, Whitley gave up a double uh, but then was relieved, and then Jumbo gave up a double that drove that in. But that's so far Whitley's only run uh, given up this season, mm-hmm. and that's in about 14 innings, uh, exactly 14 innings. Um, so very impressive for Chase Whitley so far. And another guy who was called up uh, before Mourinho, who uh, is now the only lefty left in the pen, thanks to Justin Marks' uh, very brief appearance, first pitch, gives up a home run, and then the next day uh, is DFA'd. So that's a real uh, hi, how you doing, see you later type of situation. But uh, Jose Alvarado, who I think we should talk just a little bit briefly about, um, because he is... Uh, Wait, Jose's still on the Major League squad, is he not? He is very much so. He's he's the... Okay. Uh, I, I mentioned Marks was the guy that went down. Marks um, was the guy who's gone. And unfortunately, he is gone-gone. The Dodgers claimed him. Yes, our old friend Andrew Friedman decided we'll keep him. So, he, so they uh, picked up Marks. They seem to have a type, and by type I mean Tampa Bay Rays players. Yeah. Yes. Uh, who who would have thunk it that uh, Andrew Friedman would still pine for our leftovers? I mean, we've only that's how that we got way. Xavier Cedeno. It it, it they, we've had our moments where we we are the beneficiaries, exactly. um, but it does seem to be more of a uh, one way street. For sure. So, so um, yes, we're back to being very limited with lefties in the pen after uh, one game appearance where we had two, which was a bounty of there we go. pitchers. And, um, and so Jose Alvarado was, I mean, shockingly promoted from double. The difference between double A and the majors is uh, approximate to the difference between 
AAA and the majors. That jump from AA to AAA is, is smaller than that big jump up to the major league level. Uh, you get your quad A guys uh, and your near major league players hanging out in AAA more often. So uh, I don't I don't mean to make it sound like they're the same, but uh, and and quad A is a confusing thing to say. I just mean guys who, if they were a quadruple A, that's probably where they would hang out. Um, yeah, that kind of not not quite major league, but definitely kind of done enough to prove that they're a little bit more than uh, than AAA. Yeah, you're you're Justin Marks, Ryan Garten. Uh, kind of relievers who don't really earn their keep on the 40-man roster, but they sure are useful and can pick in the ma- uh, pitch in the major leagues. Uh, Diego Moreno was one of those guys. He was a Yankees reliever at one point in time and made his appearance then, but uh, in his age 30 season, I believe, uh, he's now with the Rays. and uh, I think we can feel good about it. We were talking about Alvarado. Uh, uh, yes, yes. I, 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 I didn't think he could hit the broad side of the trop. For a while there, to start the season, he had some severe walk problems. Yeah, I mean that's he has a live arm, but he uh, it, it was very much kind of all over the place. Um, but he kind of worked on that a little bit and kind of tightened that up in Double A. Um, kind of dropped his walk rate uh, considerably this year. I mean, it's very you know small sample size, so hard to tell if that's something that uh, is real. Um, but it's certainly encouraging, and he is very young. He's only uh, 21, so so some changes and tweaks, and uh, uh, either mechanical or just makeup wise, that can maybe uh, allow him to maybe harness that just absolutely explosive live arm. And so far, in a whopping total of three innings in the major mm-hmm. leagues, he has not walked three anybody. Games. So, yeah, th- three games, three innings, uh, no walks. So pretty great. And while we're playing with very small sample sizes, he uh, that that fast, 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 fastball that he loves so much, uh, if he can control that lightning, it is very fast. So his average so far, again, unbelievably micro uh, sample size alert, but uh, in the major leagues, uh, StatCast has his fastball at 91.98.1 uh, miles per hour on average, but more uh, excitingly, perceived velocity at which is kind of how fast it seems uh, the ball is getting to the batter um, from the batter's point of view is at 98.42. Um, a guy named Duraldis Chapman, pretty good left-handed uh, reliever with some heat. His average perceived velocity is 98.41. Mm-hmm. So good company, even though that is a very small sample size. I think one of the fun things about him is... Uh... The race promoted Alvarado, and it reminds me a lot of how I work with my little leaguers. Uh, one of the things I, I do is I volunteer with the uh, little league in my town, and I like the fifth grade level. It's a lot of fun. Uh, these are 11-year-olds, which means they are old enough to play baseball with competence, but still young enough that if they strike out, they cry. <laughs> and they, I mean, that's, it's just a joy. A, they, they care. Me, basically, except for without the competence. Yeah, the difference is it's slow pitch softball for you. Um, the, <laughs> yes, these and, kids can and deal. I still cry. It, <laughs> man, I, I I cry when some race strike out, so it, <laughs> it all it never goes away. I guess with age, these uh, little leaguers though, sometimes they go up on the mound, and uh, one of our kids, um, his name is Madrano, and he was pitching, 
and he had a fastball that was coming in, and then all of a sudden this rainbow would arc and come in and be a ball, and I'm, I, you're just thinking, where is that? And you're just you're trying to coach from the sidelines, but after the inning, uh, I'm talking with him. I was like, did you feel a difference between, you know, the the pitch that went straight down the middle down the plate? And those other big looping things, like physically, what did you feel that was different happening for you? And he's like, well, I was trying to throw a, a slower pitch that was, you know, to mix it up. I was like, no, 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 no. You, you just need to throw right down the middle. You challenge these kids. And, uh, you know, if they if they can handle your fastball, then we'll start worrying about the rest of it. And <laughs> the same is true for Jose Alvarado. He came up and he's throwing more than 70% fastballs. And really, that's all he needs to do. It has, you know, some vertical movement to it. And, you know, the rays like that rising uh, fastball. Typically, it'll have uh, what gets measured as vertical rise. Uh, so from neutral, it, it appears to be rising to the hitter. Um, maybe you could say it falls less than average. But anyway, uh, normally that's measured at like a 10-inch. And Jose Alvarado is more at like the 7s. So it's not the ideal Tampa Bay Rays fastball. But you're right. It's got wicked heat. And if it comes in fast enough, these guys aren't going to know what to do with that, particularly from the left side. That is going to be very formidable in the AL East. And he, yeah, he has a slider. Sure, go ahead and use it every once in a while. But really, if Jose's firing fastballs, we're fine. Yeah, and I think he's he adds an interesting element that the Rays bullpen doesn't really have. Uh, so I'm excited to see. I hope he gets a, a nice little long look. Um, and as long as he throws strikes, I see no reason why um, he shouldn't get a chance to uh, to see if he can keep uh, throwing very, very hard um, right past uh, batters. Um, so, so there's some interesting stuff for that bullpen uh, moving forward. Alvarado, Whitley, and now Mourinho, um, hopefully giving the Rays a nice little boost uh, in our ever, ever going quest to find um, a bullpen that that works. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it should. Erasmus Ramirez is still there. Jumbo Diaz is still there. Danny Farquhar is still there. And, you know, even if Jumbo and Farquhar are, are not, you know, the, the setup men that we need them to be, they are at least competent enough. You know, uh, Farquhar just... Allowed. So we have uh, a game on in the background now. It's the Royals. The Rays are up 3-6. to six. It is now 5-6. to six. Um, it is May 9th. Danny Farquhar just allowed uh, Hosmer after a very long at-bat, you know, full count, two outs. You're almost there, buddy. And Hosmer hits one through the left side, going the other way, scores a run. So now it's 5-6, and that's not what you need in the seventh inning. You need someone who's going to go in there and actually shut the door. Um, but as we kind of talked through before, the Rays are missing all of their setup men. Straight up all of them. Yes. So yes. It's, it's possible that you know, a dramatic promotion of Alvarado helps solve that problem. But uh, the unfortunate part is probably not. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to keep on praying that, uh, you know, Tommy Hunter gets well soon. His calf gets better. Uh, take some pressure off of Danny Farquhar to be that man. Jumbo Diaz just needs to, you know, be his rotund self. And the race should be fine. Um but in the meantime, you know, it's 500 baseball. And if things don't start to turn around, which they might, uh, uh, Matt Duffy is on his way. Wilson Ramos is on his way. Um, 
we could probably check in with those. But that's the state of the bullpen. Um, that's going to be the big concern with this team. The Rays uh, tend to get out in front early on offense and in pitching. And uh, actually, I saw Neil Solon's noted that the Rays lead the major leagues in runs in the first inning, which is astounding to me. It, that, but it, it 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 rings true. These bullpens are the problem. Um, four dramatic injuries to the bullpen will do that. We can't spend all day complaining about it. But uh, let, let's chat real quick about um, injured players coming back. Matt Duffy is in uh, Port Charlotte right now with the Stone Crabs, and that's super exciting. Yes, uh, Duffy's somebody that uh, the Rays got just a very brief glimpse of before he uh, when he came over from San Francisco and has been kind of battling this Achilles injury. So he will be a sight for sore eyes coming back and uh, a big help, especially against left-handed pitching. Um, but just adding another really good major league defender and uh, batter. So that's, that's a really nice boost, uh, a nice uh, acquisition to have when the team desperately kind of needs just, just a little something um, to, to help them out. Um, at least on the offensive side of the ball. They've had a couple really close games um, where the bullpen actually did do well and then just needed a little bit more offense. So hopefully Duffy can uh, come in and just give that little boost and spark to the, the lineup. Um, just to throw a little bit of cold water on Jumbo Diaz, who just took the mound for the Rays, um, it's worth noting, I, I clicked over to his numbers, he does have an ERA above five. He has... 15 appearances and only 10 strikeouts. So I don't want to dissuade everyone into thinking that we are the Jumbo Diaz fan club. Uh, he, he's fun to like. He is fun to like, even if he's not a amazing pitcher. I think that's, I think that's what we're sort of getting at. He's what we got. I think that's, that's part of I mean, you watch these guys go out there over and over again and you're like, well, in Jumbo, we trust <laughs> when the, when the alternatives are. Yeah. I guess you just, you look for any. We're we're in the desert, wandering, and uh, if it's something that could even resemble water, we'll take it. Right, and by water you mean ninety-eight mile an hour fastballs. Exactly, exactly. Um, and, and and when it comes to ninety-eight mile an hour fastballs, I mean we like what Alvarado has to offer, but Jumbo Diaz is definitely taking on water. Uh, yeah. That yeah. was a, wow. It was way too long of a joke. I forced it. I feel bad about it. All right. <laughs> I, I I didn't want to just leave you hanging, but that's, it was that's bad. Um, so speaking of Matt Duffy coming back uh, soon, he uh, is a good transition point to kind of the main topic I want to talk about to, on this week's podcast. And, uh, and that is basically the position that Duffy will be potentially taking over or, or maybe not taking over or... I guess a decision will have to be made soon because the guy that's standing at shortstop who had to fill in for the injured Duffy and filled in very well is the former top pick Tim Beckham, who for much of his career has been kind of, I guess, maligned as basically not being uh, Buster Posey and, uh, and drafted instead of Buster Posey. And yeah, as, as the legend goes with that, the Rays are a small market team, uh, which means that they have limited financial resources. And Buster Posey, I mean, I saw him play in college because uh, I went to Florida State as well. I still remember the game where he pitched every, or sorry, not pitched. Uh, he did pitch, but he played every position 
on the field for fun. He started out at catcher and then went first, second, third, short, left, center, right, and then closed the game in a win. He was that kind of player who could literally do anything and everything. Uh, He really looked like God's gift to baseball among these college hitters. And I mean, I knew it as a, as a, you know, a nobody just attending Florida state. These scouts knew it too. His agent knew it too. And his agent said, look, you're going to have to pony up. And the Rays were like, I don't think we're going to be able to afford that. So they had the, they had the top overall pick, but they shied away because of what they thought the cost would be to sign him. And they went with a high school kid. And it is unfortunate that he fell all the way to the Giants, but the Rays weren't the only team who passed on Buster Posey because that concern was there. But it'll always be that story of you could have taken the Florida kid and instead you went for Beckham. It, you know, yeah, I, and, and I feel and for Beckham. Big, How terrible it is to have that follow you? It, it's incredibly unfair. And uh, it's an incredible standard to have to live up to, um, especially as a high school player coming in. Um, he, so, so just, I do want to mention, because this is something that has been a pet peeve of mine for quite some time, uh, mm-hmm. how much basically the Rays uh, really, basically Tim Beckham just being like, why aren't you Buster Posey? We could have had Buster Posey. You should be Buster Posey. Um, the Pirates, the Royals, and the Orioles all passed on Buster Posey. So he isn't necessarily, it wasn't like everybody just passed on uh, Bryce Harper um, or uh, it isn't like they passed on modern day Mike Trout, which back in the day, 24 other teams passed on Mike Trout. So drafting is very hard in baseball. Um, mm-hmm. But the uh, three the three teams that passed on, the Pirates, the Royals, and the Orioles, they, instead of Buster Posey, they took Pedro Alvarez, who... Major league player. Major league player, solid Definitely a, a disappointment, I guess, as a number two overall pick, I'd think. He never reached quite that level. Um, mm-hmm. The Royals took Eric Hosmer. Very solid major league player. Um, all-star. Yeah. Punishing uh, the Rays right now. And punishing the Rays right now. Um, and then you have uh, Brian Mattis. So, interesting. Uh, major league player, yeah. Major league player, yeah. So, solid major league players. And for a long time, Tim Beckham seemed like, of that top five, the one guy that didn't really become a major league player. Um, however, however, after a very long uh, kind of minor league kind of run, which included a, an ACL tear, which cost him a season, which included a 50-game suspension for uh, marijuana, which, mm-hmm. you know... Uh, I think I think that's one of those those issues that uh, is a is a always a case study for um, the minor league kind of suspension system for certain drugs and the major league being different than that is always kind of an interesting thing to kind of debate. But these were all setbacks for Tim, and uh, for a long time it really didn't look like he was going to be not even live up to the hype of a number one overall pick and not live up to the hype of what Buster Posey was very much doing in the major leagues, but very much just not be, uh, anything at the major league level. And so he's 27 now. And mm, I mean, the, these first overall picks, you would hope that they would premiere at 22, you know, Andrew Benintendi, 
is a top. What what was he picked? Like seventh by the Red Sox. He's twenty two years old and now. He's hitting cleanup for him. That's the kind of story you hope from any first on draft pick. Uh, picked like in the first ten. One of those protected uh, picks. You you would expect them to hit. And I think the good news is that Beckham is now a major league player at a minimum. But it took him hitting age twenty six, age twenty seven. How much of that had to do with um, those development setbacks? You know, he was also his own worst enemy last year. Uh, the Rays demoted him for behavioral issues, and then when rosters expanded in September, they chose not to promote him again. Uh, it really felt like <laughs> if this conversation over the offseason would have been a lot different. You know, you'd be wondering, okay, is he done? Did the, I, did I the Rays lot, get any value? I think a lot of people thought that was that potentially. I mean, we we have definitely seen a lot of comments that suggested uh, just cut him. He's he's just such a disappointment. Just be done with it and move on. Um, but to, to kind of reset, that's the very downer part of Tim Beckham. Um, he makes his, well, he makes his debut in 2013, very, very brief, but he really doesn't, uh, come up and really start playing until 2015. Um, so about, what is that? Eight, uh, not eight, uh, seven years after being drafted in 2008, that's, a you know, quite a long time. And we saw in that time, basically Pedro Alvarez, Eric Hosmer, Buster Posey, and Brian Mattis all contribute at the major league level. Um, to be fair, Pedro Alvarez's career came and went in the time that Tim Beckham <laughs> developed. Exactly. So Pedro Alvarez became an all star, broke out, and then fell apart, and is basically done all of the time that that Tim Beckham was wandering around the minor leagues. So uh, yeah, so some people take different paths, is what that lesson of that is. Um, but yeah, so it took him a while. He also was the high school kid of those five. So that's that's cannot be understated. I mean, there's a lot of development that happens in the, you know, few years after that. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and you know, it took him a little while. He debuts at, uh, really gets an extended look at age 25, hits nine home runs, um, but doesn't really play. He plays all right. Not, uh, not great, but not terrible. Um, still, you know, you're hoping for more from a number one overall pick. You're hoping for a lot more. I think that's always been the, the case is he's been crushed under the expectations of what he uh, should have been, not so much what he is. Um, mm-hmm. But last year, even despite kind of his really rough end to the season where he, he gets demoted, he has two instances of uh, basically bad hustle or just bad heads up play. And, where- and that's the stuff we can see on television, right? It, well, yeah, yeah, and and we don't know how much else was going on, you know, on beyond this behind the scenes. But he still ended up being a one-win player, um, playing above-average defense at shortstop, and with a bat that got him a ninety-eight WRC plus. That's a that's a pretty decent player. That's hard to do at shortstop uh, to put together that that kind of season. That's a useful player. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, you want more than a useful player for the number one overall pick, but so many, so many draft picks, even high, um, become absolutely uh, never develop at all. Um, right. We, we, we just mentioned the top five. I always like to say the, the second catcher taken, the guy just below Buster Posey, is a guy named Kyle Skipworth from the for the Florida Marlins. So, are you telling out, me he would have been worthy of skipping in the draft? Oh, oh boy. Ooh. 
One more and you get the golden sombrero of bad jokes on the night. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> We've awoken Dustin from his slumber. <laughs> Dustin. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, basically, drafting, again, to reiterate, is very, very hard. So, having any value from a player that you take is, I guess, better than not, even though it is disappointing. Um, but this year, uh, Tim Beckham has been given a everyday role and kind of a tough role since he had to uh, hit against you know right-handed pitchers a lot, not just get left-handers, um, and has kind of done you know he's taken the reins and, and kind of run with it a bit. He's he's hitting well. Uh, his, his ISO is over 200 it's at 227 uh, right now. Um, he's he's playing good defense at short. He's not it's not perfect, but it's it's a it's well above average. He has six homers uh, and he's. He's has one of the, he's one of the better hitters in the Rays lineup right now on the season. Uh, his, his and that's weighted runs creation plus is at one eleven. And if you filter the fan graphs leaderboard uh, for shortstops, he is top five in WAR contribution through you know almost forty games. That's that's not nothing. That's yeah. That's 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 way better than nothing. And and that's and he is twenty seven right now. So potentially coming into his own and actually, you know, developing. So it's always hard. He's, he's never going to be uh, not Buster Posey. I, I think that's, that's kind of his, um, his albatross to, to carry. But I do think that he's a player that if, again, if in a vacuum, if you are the Rays and you were looking around the league and there was this kid who was former number one pick uh, who has all the talent in the world. I mean, he looks the part uh, as a as a great major league player. He has a very sweet swing and an even sweeter bat flip. Uh, and he's got a lot of uh, a lot of power in that bat. You know, the it's it's not perfect. He walks almost never and strikes out all the time. Uh, right. So the so only, only the only starting shortstop with the worst walk to strikeout ratio than Beckham is. Uh, rookie Tim Anderson and on the south side of Chicago. So, I mean, I'm sorry. I I just need to say that the 35% strikeout rate is (laughs) ugly. It is bad when a third of the time he is striking out and occasionally like every week or so he might take a walk. So yeah, not, not a, not a great line there, but his slugging percentage is 482. Um, just ignore that on base percentage of 284 and you actually have a, a pretty decent bet. I mean, the thing is with shortstops, uh, when they're good, they're really good. When you get a Francisco Lindor, when you get a Addison Russell, you go, wow, this, this is just an amazing ball player. Um, a Carlos Correa, you know, th- these are just tremendous guys for the most part though. You have to either take a defensive guy without any bat, um, like an Andleton Simmons, um, or you just you just have a guy that you know maybe has a bat but doesn't have a glove. That's not really a great option. Um, Beckham provides a little bit better than league average in both, and that's uh, again, like you said, it's it's not nothing. Uh, when it comes to projections, uh, I do wonder who is going to be the if you were to, if you were to take Tim Beckham and Matt Duffy and plug them in a projection system. Uh, which we have some available to us online. Uh, Steamer is my go-to on Fangraphs. Uh, it does favor Duffy to be 
a major league competent shortstop on offense. And it really does not believe this Tim Beckham thing to be true. Uh, the steamer projection is 77 WRC plus. So that's 23% below average or, you know, below replacement level. If that's the, the style that tickles your fancy, I, they don't believe that this is a real performance from Beckham. Do you, do you believe it? I, I think real is, is a relative term. Uh, I, I do not, I think steamer is way too harsh on him. Um, mm-hmm. It also projects him at a 6% walk rate, which is, uh, I would love a 6% walk rate. So they're very high on that. Um, but no, they're very low on his, his ISO projections and his WRC plus. And frankly, you know, he's, he's shown that he actually can hit um, pretty well in, in the minor leagues, in the major leagues. He's had um, three, you know, seasons, right, including this one, um, where he's gotten extended time and he's, uh, his low water mark from WRC plus is, is 91. Um, and he's had a slugging percentage, um, around 430, uh, for the past two seasons that, so again, those are shows that I think he's a little bit more competent on the bat that they're giving him credit for. Uh, and mm-hmm. defensively, I think he is kind of improving as he gets older and kind of gets more reps. I think that is something that, you know, does, does, you know, you can improve as long as your athleticism is still there. Um, getting more baseball intelligence and, and kind of working at it. I think he has made some serious strides. And I think, again, we kind of mentioned it with um, Ricky Weeks when we were talking about him a couple weeks ago. But Weeks has definitely seemingly taken Tim under his wing and kind of helped him, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at least in, in spring training to kind of to to really, you know, be a, a sounding board, be somebody that can can, you know, kind of help him kind of understand, you know, what it's like to be a, a really highly touted prospect to have all mm-hmm. those expectations to mm-hmm. be somebody coming in and have to live up to that. Um, that's not, you know, not everybody can, I guess, understand that. And, and not everybody has that perspective to, to share, uh, for some folks, it comes really easy. And so it's always hard to teach, you know, if you're Michael Jordan trying to coach, you can be like, why don't you just, hit all the shots. <laughs> do like, the thing. I, just do the thing. <laughs> you know, when I did it, it's just easy. So just do that. Why aren't you just easily sinking these jumpers? I don't get it. So yeah, no, I think Ricky brings a really good, like, you know, player coach type of thing for, for Tim. So I, I do think he's, I don't know if I want to call it real. Um, I do think calling him, you know, the, the shortstop now, I, I think that's premature. I do think Matt Duffy is the starting shortstop. And I think that's, a better option for the Rays right now. Um, but I do think Tim Beckham as a kind of uh, super utility guy, somebody that can play um, anywhere we need him to, that that's a really useful player off the bench. Somebody that can maybe get more uh, appearances against lefties, somebody that can be shielded against maybe tough righties, um, somebody that could maybe play second base, uh, to give a night off to play, you know, third base to play first, maybe uh, improve in the corner outfield. Um, he he, I think has a role in this team and a, and a significant role going forward. I and I think that's, I would call the corner outfield thing a definite maybe for Beckham. I don't think we've seen him really out in the outfield at all, and I think that's for good reason. I think he just plays better on the infield, and I think it's probably going to remain that way. But 
the Rays do have a super utility player already in Daniel Robertson. So Tim Buckham becoming a super utility guy in some essences is redundant. The squad doesn't need a platoon first baseman and a platoon extra outfielder with good defense like Peter Borges or Malik Smith, whoever that might be. And on top of that, they already have Daniel Robertson and the backup catcher. Tim Beckham is superfluous to that arrangement. And also, he probably, if you had to you know, make a guess, I'm not sure he would take well to being benched when he's been performing at a career best. And I, I, I just have a hard time believing that Tim Beckham is suddenly going to become the team player who's excited to be this super utility role. I think that's potentially fair. I, I think with Daniel, I think with the Rays, at least for this season, you have a a chance to upgrade the bench with Tim Beckham if he can take to that role. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think Daniel Robertson has played has played well. Uh, he's shown some really good glove at third, um, but I also think he's he's. I, I would trust right now Tim Beckham more than Daniel Robertson. Certainly, uh, I mm-hmm. think he's he's showing that he is more of a a competent major league player and, and Robertson absolutely can be that. Um, but I, I think he's still kind of learning on the job. So that's a, that's part of the real, it's, it's a, it's a good, good problem to have, you know, when Duffy comes back, you now have a, a, a tough call. Um, I think if you, I, I think Tim Beckham, um, what they do with Tim Beckham, what they do with Matt Duffy coming up, this is going to be a really interesting uh, decision. I think overall, again in a vacuum, this is a this is a uh, a really good problem to have, except for the fact that there is some very real human elements to this, and that can be a that can be an issue. And so, yeah, you might be right that how Tim Beckham deals with this, I think, will really say a lot uh, about his you know future with the Rays next year. You know, part of me wonders if they could trade him and try to get something of value now. I just don't, I, I think, I don't, I'm not sure there's a precedent for that trade. This early in the season too, not, you know, before, before the deadline, I think it's, it's tough. I think if somebody is calling, I, I think that would be definitely a phone call. You would, I, I would listen to. Um, but, uh, sure. yeah, I, I, I don't know. That's trade talk this early in the season, I think is, is interesting. It's always exciting. Trade talk is always exciting, but I don't know if I uh, if I foresee a, a, a deal kind of coming anytime soon. I do think the Rays probably know what they're going to do. Um, I think for us, it's sort of struggling, you know, with all these scenarios. What what they're going to do? Do they trade them? Do they keep them? Do you you know mm-hmm. option Robertson down to Durham? You know, I think the Rays know exactly what they're going to do. I don't think it's going to be a, a difficult decision for them. I think, you know, all the behind the scenes stuff, they know how to, to kind of run this team. And, but I, for us, it is a very interesting, uh, debate. Um, mm-hmm. so on I mean, the topic Brad, of, oh, go well, ahead. I, I think, I think the, the last thing I want to say to that effect is I do think the answer might be option one of Robertson or Beckham, just because you're out of room, unless the Rays are ready to give up on the Peter Borges thing, because, uh, you know, Colby Rasmus is killing it, and they'd rather keep both guys around instead of Borges. I I really think probably Robertson gets sent down temporarily, and we see if these Rays become a, a winning team. 
the Rays are below 500 and, you know, they're doing everything they can to try and beat the Royals. Uh, that's, that's not a good sign. Um, if, if you want to be playing playoffs, they're seven games back and fourth into the division. And it's been that way since we started doing this podcast this season, the Rays do not seem to be a team that's going to be contending right now, if we're being honest. And what that leads to is selling off pieces that are good, which, you know, hopefully might be Brad Miller, which frees up second base and, you know, maybe even also have first base implications. So Beckham might be on the outset short, but the race still might have needs across the infield in the short term in the near future. If the season is not turning out the way that it's need to, if an injury occurs, uh, I, I, I think he keeps his spot with the major league squad and Robertson goes down just because of the roster room needs. But, um, I think, I think we're in the same boat. I think this is Matt Duffy's job and I don't think it's his job to lose. I think it's his job. And, uh, a lot of that has to do with the confidence that he gave the Rays last season when he was at short in a limited amount of time. They just tried it out, but they loved him. And it's always been, you know, Matt Duffy's playing short. He's, you know, finishing his rehab to come and play short. So it's not like there's this fun narrative competition thing happening uh, from our side of things. It just looks like Beckham has been the placeholder. He's been performing better than we expected. Um, We can try to find reasons for that. He's not um, that same like hit to all fields approach. Instead, he's going for line drives, pulling the ball. Um, He's also not popping up like he used to he had a lot of infield flies last year this year it's a ridiculously low number it's like four percent um that's not sustainable either though this is not a normal performance from tim beckham and it's what the race needed from their shortstop for the most part but it's not going to be something that the Rays are going to bet on for the future and and that's correct i think for tim if he if he really does have i think his best chance for for kind of carving out a role with this team for the next couple of years he is you know signed and you know is is kind of just entering arbitration um this is uh he, he's gonna maybe have to um uh maybe be okay with a uh a, a different role or at least you know sort of do that transition um so yeah it's it's gonna be a very telling uh, what the Rays do because he is somebody that that they could use, you know, for a couple more years, but they kind of need a uh, kind of a plan with that because you know it is filling up quickly. You have Duffy, you have Brad Miller, um, you have Daniel Robertson, and you know just around the corner is Willie Adamas. So where does Tim fit in if he fits in at all? Um, right, I guess he's not guess the future, so he either needs to, you know keep his chin up and earn a trade or he just needs to accept his future with the race. I don't foresee a, a, a road forward for him as a starter. Uh, one guy that we are betting on as a starter is Kevin Kiermeyer, and he's been having some issues as far as I understand uh, defensively, which I never thought I would say. Um, but we are having a ground ball problem in center field. And I don't know if this has stuck out to you as much as it has to me. It happened in this game on May 9th, and it's happened before. Ground balls heading out into center field are rolling right past Kiermaier, either under his glove, beside his glove, bouncing off of it. Um, is it the new turf? 
I don't want to get too sports radio on it, but something <laughs> is a little off on the way that he's playing these ground balls and it's just confusing. Uh, yeah, well, I'm glad you, I'm glad you maybe called out the turf and not that he's now complacent that he got paid. Um, that would be really sports talk radio. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> he got married too, or he got engaged. So you can also say, Hmm, is it, uh, is that, has that ruined him? No, uh, I think the turf is probably a, a more of a, more to blame. Uh, and also just, Freakish luck. A lot of the issues. So last night, May 8th, um, he charges a ground ball, a sharply hit ground ball, uh, trying to make a play at home uh, and completely whiffs on it. The ball does not even hit his glove. It just goes right under it and ends up in a kind of little league uh, inside the park home run. Um, So that's that's never great. Then. Tonight, he has another ball that bounces, really tough bounce. He, you know, he always plays aggressively. He always attacks the ball. And so sometimes you can get some bad bounces. bounces. And so it is very frustrating. Um, it is possible that the turf has, is kind of, you know, eating them up right now. But I don't know if I really, I don't know if it's an issue or if it's just a very, very annoying a uh, small thing that's happening and just every single time it, it's happened, it's cost the raise. He, he also, uh, besides tonight's um, error, single uh, bloop single turned into a triple, um, which led to a run. And then the inside the park uh, home run uh, error from last night. He also had one where I believe two runs scored on a line drive, a, a, a tough catch, but one where it just went right past his glove he he seemingly got something in his eye or just missed it and just whiffed it and uh yeah um i think when when anytime kevin kiermeyer doesn't come up with the play i think it's just it's a it's a crisis <laughs> yeah it's like when you see a, a rare bird in the wild you know, if uh, if you've ever seen a blue jay or a cardinal come land next to you, you're 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 saying, "Oh, wait, I'm I'm relatively aware that those things exist. In fact, we celebrate them with baseball team names because they are interesting." <laughs> but that's that is a bright blue bird sitting right in front of me. Uh, that is, I mean, not as glorious, but it is nature at its finest. Is Kevin Kiermeyer making a human error out in center field, and you know. In, in a world of Kevin Pillar, I hate for any of those moments to happen because I want KK to get his third consecutive gold glove. Um, and if too many of these high re- highlight real things happen, maybe that starts impacting voting, all that kind of stuff. But as things stand, I still believe in Kiermaier as the best defensive outfielder in the game of baseball, a generational talent. And I'm going to chalk these up as uh, turf issues. But, you know... We can keep uh, uh, keep an eye on it and see if it continues. Uh, ab- yeah, absolutely. I'm going to chalk it up not even as potentially turf issues as just you know uh, freak things happen. It you know that's that's sort of how it goes. And uh, and and much like rare birds, which again I'm I'm a park ranger in my other life, so uh, I I am very familiar with some different uh, beautiful creatures kind of showing up in the wilderness. And uh, yeah, weird weird stuff happens sometimes and in nature and in, uh, this, this game that we love. So I, 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 I'm not worried. It's very frustrating though. And so if you do feel frustrated out there, uh, that's very, very fair because we've come to expect, um, 
just amazing things from Kevin Kiermaier. So when simple problems happen, then, well, it's very easy to, to kind of lose your mind on them. One last thing I'd like to discuss is I've had a little bit of a smirk on my face this whole evening because I'm still on cloud nine for my little league team. So the Rays might be uh, borderline contention, but I do want to touch base on how stinking proud I am of these little kids. So uh, we are the White Sox. Go White Sox. We are um, the same team for the most part that we were last year. That doesn't always happen in Little League, but we returned uh, seven of our 11 players. And uh, so it's a lot of the kids that we had last year. um, And it's really fun to see their continued development. And it was a really close game. They play six innings. And that normally takes something like two hours. And it was a... Uh, a, a fairly close ball game, but it ended up getting to six to six and we're in the sixth inning. So you already know we're spelling trouble <laughs> and the bases get loaded in the top half. We are the home team in this game. Um, and our uh, pitcher, our relief pitcher that we put on, he ends up walking two guys and uh, had allowed a single as well. So bases loaded, nobody out. And, uh, their worst hitter has come up to the plate. And if I'm being completely uh, unkind, it, it's the chubby kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> Every Little League team has a couple kids that you're just like, hey, you're not athletic, but you're here. And uh, so, you know, it's 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 a fun thing. Uh, we're getting all the kids involved. Uh, you know, if those guys do exist on my team, which I will never say that they do because they're my kids that I'm coaching and all of them are perfect. Um, you know, if such a person existed, he's the, the boisterous go getter, encouraging everyone else on the team. And he plays an incredibly crucial role. He's the guy, you know, leading the chance from the dugout, cheering the other players on. Um, and this was that guy for the opposing team for the Orioles. And so he comes up to the play and I went over to the head coach and I'm like, Hey buddy, we should probably pull the pitcher. He's he's let three men on. There's no outs. Tie ball game. Uh, it's kind of chilly out. It was in the 50s here in Massachusetts, and uh, which is where I live. Spoiler alert. And <laughs> uh, my work moved me here a, a while ago. Please don't be mad. Um, uh, but the point being is uh, I, it was cold. I just didn't think it was his night. And my head coach says to me, this is their worst hitter. We're fine. He hits Fa- a famous grand, last words, famous grand last words. salami, and it was one of those uh, uh, true little league moments where it bounces off the top of the the chain link fence, and then skips over and hits a car, <laughs> <laughs> and the person that was sitting in their car just starts honking in celebration, and the the Orioles teammates mob this kid before he ever gets to home plate, and you know he. Uh, he realizes, oh crap, I need to touch home plate. And he does. And, but uh, all these you know, 11 to 12-year-old kids, they're just celebrating. They're in the dugout. Um, our team is furious. You know, and the catcher uh, asks the umpire for the ball, and then it runs over and starts tagging the guys because he's convinced they didn't touch home plate, that they all just celebrated instead. And the umpire won't concede. He won't, uh, he, he won't call any of the guys out that didn't touch home because you know, a grand slam happened. We're just going to give it to the kid. None of my kids can be happy that this other, you know, who presumably is a school friend, just had this great moment, <laughs> possibly his best Little League moment in his career. 
And they're all just devastated. You would think their dog died, every single one of them. And uh, it, we, we get out of it from there. It's a 10-6 ball game. And, you know, you, you, you bring all the kids together and you start to try to rally the troops. And our catcher is crying. He is just so distraught. And all the kids are just like, no, you need to, you know, you know we got to get our heads back in the game. You know, this is baseball. Anything can happen. I'm here to tell you, we came back, scored five runs on just one out, and it was glorious, including our, you know, our worst hitter even got an RBI, and man, was he amped. He, uh, (laughs) he hit one uh, that just died right in the dirt, right in front of the home plate. He legged it out to first base. Uh, the catcher picked it up and fired away to first, but it scored the runner on third. And he just about like flew out of his shoes, diving back into the dugout, screaming, RBI, let's go. And, and that was the you know second to last run that we needed. It was an incredible team performance, and I'm so pumped for these kids. It's been so much fun having them again. Uh, we came in second last year. We lost the championship game. And so I have high hopes this year. Uh, it has now been four games. We are 500. I just wanted to brag a little bit that my, my fifth graders came back from four runs down in the final inning to score five runs. And if they can do it, the Tampa Bay Rays can beat the Royals. It is 6-6 right now in the final inning of the May 9th adventure against the Royals. Uh the Rays are one out of way from column A, you know, finishing this thing. I'm really hoping for a walkout, but I think this is uh, our walk off rather, but I think this is our moment to wrap the podcast. So thank you, Darby. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Hopefully the uh, Rays take a, take a page out of your mighty white Sox book and, uh, and, and do some There's awesome rallying vibe. I can send through the television right now. <laughs> to tell them send- my fifth graders found hope where there was no hope. If they can do it, then the Rays can do it. In the chilly weather. Um, check out DRaysBay.com. If you have not been there in a while, uh, I promise you there's fun stuff on the site, including uh, who the heck is Patrick Leonard and what is he doing in AAA right now? Because even though we're talking about uh, sending guys down because we don't have enough room, I think there might be a very good case to bring up someone who is just on fire and was acquired from the Royals. That was from Adam. Check that out. Uh, you can contact us at podcast at gmail.com. We will take any and all feedback on uh, this podcast writ large. Uh, we'll take any comments. Uh, a timeout. Jesus Sucre just did some marvelous framing action to pull in strike two uh, of ho- what's hopefully the final out against Kane. If you were watching this game, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Go check that out if you haven't. Um, you can rate us on iTunes, which is always appreciated for any podcast. And we will be back next week. So thank you for listening. Bye, everybody. The Hit Show is produced and engineered by Dustin Klingman. Make sure to check out all the newest and latest news about the Rays on DRaysBay.com. <laughs>